You're listening to Comedy Central. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, a lot of people are doing worse than ever because it turns out that the technology keeping us connected is also making us feel like shit. With the stress of the pandemic, body image issues have been on the rise. 43% of women, 26% of men said COVID-19 negatively affected how attractive they felt. The countless hours spent on Zoom or video calls is causing more and more Americans to be insecure about their appearance. Video conferencing presents a constant, unedited, unfiltered look at ourselves that can be unsettling. And those front-facing cameras we're all using aren't doing us any favors. Things like the nose could actually appear larger and wider, and the eyes could appear smaller. Not only is a person confronting their own reflection with much greater intensity and frequency than they ever had before, but they were staring at a distorted reflection. This is all part of an alarming new trend coined Zoom dysmorphia. Yes, Zoom dysmorphia. It's when you realize that it's not just everyone else who looks terrible on Zoom. And that's really not cool. You know, Zoom shouldn't make you feel bad about your looks. It should make you feel bad about your dirty-ass living room. But you have to remember, people, this is a new phenomenon that we're dealing with. Humans didn't evolve to see their own faces all the time. That's not normal. I mean, except for twins, I guess. But they don't count. They're freaks. It's just like another one of you? <laughs> what? Like, think about it. For most of human history, if you wanted to know what you looked like, you had to get your friend to smash up some blueberry and rub it on a cave wall. You! Look like this. Damn, do I really hold a spear like that? Now, the good news is that it's likely we'll all be using Zoom a lot less in the near future. But unfortunately, there's another technology that also makes us feel bad about ourselves, and it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. I'm talking about photo filters. Yes, they've helped mankind realize its dream of puking rainbows, but some of the most popular filters just help you look more attractive, which may sound harmless, but it could be anything but. Cutting edge apps and social media filters are allowing ordinary people to enhance their online photos to impossible perfection. In some cases, it's sparking a concerning phenomena. With apps like Facetune, you have the power to completely transform yourself. Bigger eyes, skinnier nose and jawline, smaller butt or flatter belly, whiter teeth, smoother skin, you can do it right on your phone. When I take a selfie, I always use filters. I wish I could look like my filtered self in real life. This obsession with personal appearance that selfie culture encourages may have darker implications for mental health. A study in the Journal of the American Medical Association says filtered pictures can take a toll on self-esteem, body image, and even lead to body dysmorphic disorder. I do feel like we're losing touch with what reality looks like. We're already getting there to the point where we're expecting people to look as unhuman as possible. Yeah, photo editing filters set unrealistic expectations for beauty. The same way Fruit Ninja sets up unrealistic expectations of how easy it is to slice floating fruit. And once you have this filtered version of yourself in your head, you become dissatisfied with what you really look like. So in essence, we're basically catfishing ourselves. But if these editing apps can turn adults into quivering blobs of insecurity, just imagine what they're doing to kids. Psychologists warn these photo filters can be particularly troubling for teens and young people who are still developing their sense of self. 
80% of girls in one survey say they compare the way they look to other people on social media. On Instagram, like, I follow people like Kendall Jenner and Kylie Jenner, and they all have this, like, time measure, like, body image that everyone is expecting from this generation. Young girls on social media have a negative body perception, with one in seven girls reporting being unhappy with the way they look at the end of elementary school, and that number almost doubling to nearly one in three by age 14. 80% of Young girls are using photo retouching apps to change the way they look before posting pictures. And those with high scores for manipulating their photos were associated with high scores for body-related and eating concerns. You, any of you ever question your body because of what you see on social media? Yeah, yeah. Shame, man. This is a vicious cycle for teenagers. Social media makes them unhappy with how they look. So then they use filters, which perpetuate the unrealistic expectations for themselves and others. Plus, they're teenagers, so they're doing all of this while they're driving, which puts everyone at risk. And all the insecurity this creates is harmful for teenagers because I know it's hard to tune all of this out, but teens shouldn't be obsessing over this stuff. Like, I honestly wish I could sit all teenagers down and say, hey, don't worry about how you look. The planet's gonna die out before you're 30. It doesn't matter. Now, it's bad enough when people wish they had the perfect Instagram look in real life. What's worse is when they actually try to make it happen. The more people look at doctored up images, the more likely they are to actually start seeking out cosmetic procedures at younger ages. These cosmetic procedures are becoming so popular with teens, plastic surgeons have coined a new syndrome for it, Snapchat dysmorphia. And the number of kids getting nip tucks may astound you. In 2017, nearly 230,000 teens had cosmetic procedures. Kids as young as 13 are getting them. Doctors seeing an influx of people of all ages turning to plastic surgery to look more like their filter. 62% of plastic surgeons reported their patients wanted to go under the knife because of dissatisfaction with their social media profile. 57% said their patients wanted to look better in selfies. Absolutely. It's becoming more and more common where people will show me images on their Instagram or even something they posted on Facebook and go, this is really how I want to look. Just last week, I had a patient come in and ask me for more of an anime eye and she couldn't figure out why it's not possible. Okay, man, this is really disturbing. 13-year-olds in particular should not be getting plastic surgery. I mean, when you're 13, your physical appearance is already naturally changing. That's what our faces are doing. It's like long-term plastic surgery. I mean, this is what I looked like when I was 13. You gotta let that shit play out. Honestly, though, I don't blame the teenagers. I blame the parents and the plastic surgeons. I mean, how are you gonna let them do this to themselves? They can't even buy cigarettes, but you're gonna let them buy a new face? Clearly, this is getting out of hand, which is why there's now a movement, not just against filters, but all the ways that people have been distorting reality on social media. Many influencers have started speaking up on this issue, admitting that they've presented altered images in the past and are opening up the conversation. Some are even posting raw, totally unedited photos of themselves and breaking down how people on your Instagram feed may be manipulating their angles and lighting to get that quote-unquote perfect selfie. There are many celebrities exposing the dangers of digital distortion. They are posting 
images of themselves unedited, unfiltered online. And this is a great example to young girls. Pop star Lizzo made a big splash when she posted a selfie in the nude and unretouched. There's there's no shame anymore. And I just kind of post myself. It's like, you take me as I am. You're going to have to love me. British MP Luke Evans has proposed the digitally altered body image bill which would require advertisers and publishers to display a logo whenever a person's face or body has been digitally enhanced. Okay, first of all, I love the idea of putting disclaimers on photos of people who have been digitally altered. I love it. And honestly, I don't think we should stop there. We need to do this with everything that's been digitally altered, like food ads. Those are the worst. Every fast food burger looks great on TV. But then when I order it, it looks like it fell asleep in a hot tub. But I'm glad that we're finally learning the truth about what celebrities look like. You know, personally, I'm waiting for SpongeBob to join this movement. I mean, no way that guy is that square naturally. Have you seen that? It's like, it's not even, maybe he's not real. Then how would he have a TV show? Now, I'm not naive enough to think that society's gonna stop creating unrealistic beauty standards anytime soon, all right? But what I do hope is that we can better educate our kids and ourselves that our own natural bodies are beautiful. I mean, except for that flap of old people's skin we have on our elbows. Like, that shit is gross. I don't care who you are. It looks like a mid-arm ball sack. But everything else is beautiful. But because this movement could take a while, we here at The Daily Show decided to come up with a filter of our own that might help. Are social media filters giving you body image issues? Are you depressed you don't look as good as your filter? Then good news. You'll never have to worry about living up to your filter again with Rudify. It's a brand new filter that turns your face into Rudy Giuliani. You'll never be happier with how you look in real life. And obviously, this wouldn't be effective if you could turn it off. So Rudify overrides all other filters. And just to be safe, Rudify retroactively applies itself to every face and every photo in your phone. The best part is the filter is permanent. Just like Rudy himself, you can never get rid of it. <laughs> Rudify, you'll be overflowing with self-esteem. Warning, use of this filter by Rudy Giuliani will rupture the fabric of space and time. What is one of the biggest concerns people have about modern technology? Privacy, right? Because our phones know everything about us. What music we listen to, how much sleep we get, what our face looks like when we're pooping. But now, Apple is going to give you a little more control over how widely that information is shared. You know how it goes. You search for something online, then see an ad on Facebook or Instagram for that exact item. Well, Apple is making it harder for apps to track your online activity. When you're using apps on your iPhone, you may start to see this. Apple users must now give permission for apps to track your online activity data. Before, you could only opt out. It's about time. Jenny Gephardt is with the privacy nonprofit, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Switching from opt out to opt in is huge. That is what's going to really make a lot more users opt out of this tracking feature that wasn't built for users, it was built for advertisers. That's right, people. With the new iOS update, you have to opt in to being tracked online instead of having to opt out. And I know it might seem like a small change, but this is a huge deal because people are lazy as shit. Like, think about it. If Apple said that they were gonna put all your nudes online unless you opted out, you'd probably be like, what? No ways, Whoa, where's that opt-out option? Ah, settings, general, 
Uh, where? Uh, you know what? I'm proud of my third nipple. Let's just do this. I don't care anymore. I got things to do. And people don't understand how much information Facebook is actually getting from your other apps. Like, you think it's a small thing. You know how you always like to your friends, oh, I was talking about something and then it popped up. Is my phone listening to me? No, it's the apps. Like, if you're in Atlanta and you check the weather in Vermont, it won't wait for you to search for a winter coat before it starts showing you ads for one. And if you've been ordering pizza every night on Grubhub, well, then the ads will show you a coat that's two sizes up because it knows. So this new privacy feature is good news for iPhone users, but it turns out it's very bad news for one of Apple's biggest rivals, Facebook. In fact, it's so bad for them that they've started throwing up pop-ups begging everyone to let them keep tracking us and warning us that if we don't, Facebook might stop being free of charge. And I'm not gonna lie, people, that seems like an empty threat to me because who would pay to be on Facebook with the type of people willing to pay to be on Facebook? I mean, that's like if a crack house had a cover charge. I actually wouldn't mind if Facebook started charging people because I think if they did, maybe people would actually think for a second before they posted. The government puts fluoride in the water to brainwash us, post. Two dollars? I'll keep it to myself. Now, the reason Facebook needs to track its users is so that it can charge big bucks to advertisers who want to target very specific audiences. But Mark Zuckerberg knows that people don't care if he can't afford to give his hovercraft a Lamborghini for its birthday. So instead, he's asking you to think about the poor companies that'll suffer if he can't track you. Facebook said Apple's move will harm their small business advertisers. It's gonna kill us, it's gonna kill us. But for Monique Wilson Debriano, who was featured in a Facebook campaign and owns Charleston Gourmet Burger, the change has already affected sales and she's had to cut costs. It's not about you know, small businesses, you know, wanting to take away anyone's privacy. All we want to do is really just service our customers better. So if someone loves hamburgers and they're looking for something that is just awesome, you know, to make their hamburgers taste better, I would like to show my ad to you. And this update takes that away from small businesses like mine. Okay, now this is interesting. I mean, I don't like getting tracked, but it is true that it does help some small businesses target their ads, you know? And the truth is in life, bad things can have good side effects. You know, it's like how serial killers are bad. We all agree that they're bad, but you do get a lot of really interesting podcasts out of them. Yeah? No. So I can see what Facebook is trying to argue here. They're saying, do you really want to hurt small businesses before Amazon has a chance to bankrupt them? And honestly, I wouldn't mind targeted ads that much, but the thing is, it's how. It is how Facebook tracks all of us that I don't like. Like, it would be one thing if Facebook asked me, hey, Trevor, do you like hamburgers? Ah, oh, we're gonna show you stuff about food. But what Facebook actually does is basically just send some guy named Gary to just stalk my entire life. Hey, Trevor, I heard you like hamburgers. What? How did you know that? <laughs> I read an email you sent to your girlfriend. <laughs> so maybe you're still not swayed by the effect of this change on small businesses. And that's why Facebook is also warning of the bleak future that awaits all of us if they can't track our every movement anymore. 
Facebook's pushing back. It relies on that data to target consumers with relevant ads. So if people do opt out, here's what Facebook says could happen. Say a young man is looking for a new pair of sneakers on his phone. Facebook claims that with Apple's new rules, it won't be able to use his search history and information about what other apps he uses to show him ads for things he wants to buy. So on Facebook or Instagram, he could end up seeing ads for women's clothing or furniture. Really? This is a real argument? Come on, man, get the f out of here, guys. We've lived our entire lives watching untargeted ads, right? TV ads, newspaper ads, billboards, none of those were targeted and we were fine, right? Now, all of a sudden, they're making it seem like we can't live without them. Like, we're gonna be like, oh no, oh no, I'll have to watch untargeted ads, but how will I know if a product isn't for me? What if I buy tampons because I didn't know that I don't have a period? What if I buy dog food, but I don't have a dog? Am I a dog? Am I dog one tampon? I don't know. We can handle untargeted ads. In fact, sometimes untargeted ads introduce you to things that you never knew you needed. Yeah, like a shower seat. I didn't think about that before I came to America. And then now that I'm here, I realize just because I'm not 80 doesn't mean I can't get clean and comfortable. And you know, on top of all that, Facebook makes it seem, they make it seem like all they use that data for is to sell us the products that we want. But don't forget that the reason you often only see posts that make you mad as hell is because of all the time Facebook is tracking you and they use that targeting to piss you off. It's not a coincidence that Facebook is always telling you that Joe Biden is gonna make the Bible Spanish only, or that Trump stole all the mailboxes to give to Kim Jong-un. It's because they know how to keep you engaged for as long as possible, and they know this by tracking you. And again, I'm not pro-Apple here, right? But Apple didn't build their entire business model on stalking you, Facebook did. And if moving society away from tracking people means that Gary has to find a new job, then you know what? So be it. But then, Trev, who will recommend creams for your toenail fungus? Get the f out of here, Gary. Let's take a moment to talk about selfies. They're the top way to show people what parts of your body are on fleek. Uh, yeah, for me personally, it's my elbow. Uh, or as I like to call it, my arm knee. But um, as innocent as the selfie craze may seem, it can have real world consequences. And for more on this, we're joined by senior technology correspondent, Ronnie Chang, everybody. Hey. Hey, Trevor. Selfies used to be a harmless way to show everyone how hashtag blessed your life is. But as it turned out, looking at pictures of your own head all the time can actually start to mess with it. In this age of the selfie, there's been a surge in lip augmentation procedures. The love affair with lips leading to a record number of lip jobs last year. Doctors say because we see so many images of ourselves almost constantly on social media, we're much more aware of how our lips look. Are you serious? People are having surgery to enhance their lips, just to look better in selfies. What happened to just doing duck face? Hmm? It always works for me. <laughs> Yo, no one's judging your lips, okay? We're judging your double chin and your weird nose. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that why are you stopping at your lips? Just face your whole face. Yeah, fix your whole face. <laughs> and not only are selfies blowing up lips, they're also shrinking bank accounts. NFL prospect Laramie Tunsil should have been celebrating being drafted into the NFL last night. Uh, Tunsil was projected to go 
at six to the Baltimore Ravens, ended yeah. up falling to 13th. That drop right there cost him about $8 million in salary over the next four years. Minutes before the draft open, a two-year-old video posted to Tunsil's Twitter account showing him taking a massive bong hit out of a gas mask. Come on, how do we even know that's Laramie Tunsil? It could be anyone. It could be a time-traveling World War II soldier. Right? <laughs> it actually took days of investigative journalism to figure out his identity. They had to go through the video frame by frame, and it also helped that he took his mask off and showed his face. <laughs> Yo, if you're recording yourself doing something illegal and you're already wearing a mask, just leave it on. <laughs> That's what masks are for. <laughs> also, why does the NFL even care if players smoke pot? Oh, oh, wait, I get it. Because marijuana could cause brain damage, and brain damage is trademarked by the NFL. <laughs> but hey, at least Tunsil was just doing something stupid and not dangerous, like Snapchatting while driving. A new lawsuit filed against Snapchat and 18-year-old Crystal McGee. Snapchat has a feature called a speed overlay filter, and it measures how fast users are moving while they are taking a photo or video. The man is suing the social media giant, claiming that an 18-year-old drove more than 100 miles an hour and crashed into his car while she was using the app. Snapchat used to be about dick pics, okay? <laughs> now you're encouraging people to take selfies while speeding? I never thought I'd say this, but Snapchat, I like you better when you are just sending me dicks, right? <laughs> and well, hey, at least this woman is okay and she learned her lesson, right? But even the crash didn't stop McGee from Snapchatting. Attorneys say McGee sent out this selfie. Strapped to a gurney, she types, lucky to be alive. She sent a Snapchat right after sending a Snapchat nearly killed her? That's like having an allergic reaction to shellfish and then on the way to the hospital swinging by Red Lobster for the seafood trio, right? <laughs> also, what adamantium phone case are you using? <laughs> like, your car gets totaled and somehow your phone magically survives. <laughs> Meanwhile, my phone shatters if I drop it on a pillow. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, selfies aren't just addictive. According to some people, they are God-given right. A South Carolina man learned the hard way that trying to take a selfie with Amy Schumer is no laughing matter. The comedian says that she was scared when this man ran up to her and started recording video. I told her this is America. I said in America, when you see a celebrity, you go and take a selfie. This is America. <laughs> that, that dude says it like it's in the Constitution. Right? <laughs> Listen, nowhere does it say we hold these truths to be selfie evident. <laughs> Look, when we see famous people, we all want to take a selfie of them, all right? I want to take a selfie of Trevor right now so I could get a ton of likes, all right? Not as many likes as if I took it with Amy Schumer, but hey, still a lot, all right? <laughs> but you know what? I resist the urge. That's what being human is about, resisting your base impulses, all right? That's why I'm not humping this desk right now. <laughs> so, go ahead and keep taking selfies. Just understand there's a time and a place. All right, and everyone else, stop acting like narcissism is just a millennial thing, okay? Old people, you would have done the exact same if you had access to the technology. What's weirder, taking two seconds to snap a selfie or spending six months painting yourself? <laughs> now, I mean, look, look how easy it is to just do one of these, look. I thought you said you weren't gonna take a selfie. What are you doing, you're taking a selfie? Yeah, I also said uh, I wasn't gonna hum the desk, but you know what, you gotta do what you gotta do, all right? So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. Ronnie Chang, everyone.
may or may not have heard of black Twitter, but it's huge. And if you want to understand it, imagine a barbershop. I know what you're thinking. It's a barbershop. I'm a black dude. We about to do all the usual stuff. LeBron James dunked on five cripple kids. Man, shut your ass up. Bootleg man, bootleg man. <laughs> the boys ain't got no daddy, Marquise. You got a daddy that love you. Look, for decades, the black barbershop has been the epicenter of black cultural discussion. But the internet has changed things. Let me introduce you to black Twitter. Black Twitter is an entire... Now, I think we need somebody more qualified. Let's go with Jamila Lemieux, executive, writer, and most importantly, black person. Jamila, what is black Twitter? It's just really an extension of how we communicate in our neighborhoods, in our barbershops, in our churches, in our schools. It is our village. Think of black Twitter as Harlem. Black folks made it cool, and now white people trying to move in. What we do on social media, and of course we over-index, and we use it more than anybody else, and we use it on mobile, which means we have it, you know, by our side 24 hours a day. That's right. While we make up just 12% of the U.S. population, 25% of American Twitter users are black, and they're three times more likely to post daily on Twitter than white people. But that's not the only reason black Twitter is important. And if anybody can back it up, it's a brother wearing a hoodie and a Kango, Elon James White. One of the major parts of, of, of quote unquote black Twitter is the ability to force a conversation that otherwise would be ignored. Hashtag Oscar so white made the Oscars more black. You got Ferguson. Black Lives Matter, bring back our girls. Ferguson, when it first happened, Mike Brown getting shot, I knew about that before it hit the news because I was seeing tweets from St. Uh, St. Louis and Ferguson that his body hadn't been picked up yet. Movements that once took weeks to mobilize can come together in mere hours. George Zimmerman, I believe, would not have been arrested or, or tried at all were it not for black Twitter. People love to say, oh, if Dr. King had Twitter, he would have got more accomplished. Would he? How you know he wouldn't have just been up all night arguing with trolls? Martin, come to bed. Coretta, I can't. Malcolm X still popping off at the mouth. I'll snatch the bow tie off his ass. Black Twitter is just as complicated and nuanced as the black community itself. Like, within black Twitter, you still have intellectual Twitter. You have academics, and then you have hotep Twitter. Whoa! Everybody don't like to be called a hotep. According to The Root, a hotep is a clueless parody of Afrocentricity, someone who's loudly, conspicuously, and obnoxiously pro-black. But I think that's a little harsh. I prefer to call these brothers black enthusiasts. That's why we gotta be black, do black, shop black, buy black, date black, smoke blacks. And of course you got the Bayhive. One of them twins ain't even Jay-Z's. Who's talking about Beyonce? No Beyonce slander shall survive. She represents joy for so many people, particularly black women. She's on the wall with Martin, Malcolm, Barack, Beyonce. Black Twitter is also the place to keep up with the latest in fashion, music, and racial slurs. Oof. I have been called every type of on the planet. E-R. E-R-A. A-H. A-H. I-G-Z. It's types of I didn't know existed until I got caught them on Twitter. Anybody can get it on black Twitter, even if you're in the NFL Hall of Fame. Just ask Jerry Rice, who thought it was all good to wear a fried chicken helmet in a Popeyes commercial. I don't think there's ever an excuse for a chicken helmet. You decide to put on the chicken helmet, that's between you and your God. Sometimes people need to be shamed. Black Twitter has no qualms about calling anybody out. This is live footage of Jerry Rice getting drugged on black Twitter. 
And it's not just people. Corporations try to be too cool and they get on the wrong side of black Twitter all the time. By doing things like using black slang to sell pancakes. IHOP is one of those brands that's just done weird like pancakes on fleek. Pancake man! Pancakes on fleek! Like, you just don't throw on fleek behind something and call that, you know, engaging with the culture. Here's a general rule of thumb to all corporations. If you wouldn't say it to a black person's face, don't tweet it. Boy, bye! Yas, retweet to win. You wanna say it, don't say it. Just shut, sh shut the f Black Twitter challenges spaces of power in a way that we haven't seen before. The black experience in America is diverse, but more importantly, it's vocal. So if you're wondering how to find black Twitter, <laughs> it's probably not for you. They should just give us Twitter. We have appropriated Twitter. This is the first thing that black people have effectively appropriated and made our own. As long as black Twitter's there, the fight for justice just got a bit easier. Appreciate Where's it. my money? I got you. I know where you work, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Social media, it's affected every aspect of our lives how we communicate, how we stay informed, how we showcase our booty clapping skills. Uh, yeah, I used, to, I used to make homemade DVDs to get that out. Now it's so much easier. But lately, but lately, conservatives have been complaining that tech companies are biased against them. And yesterday, they took action in real life. The Justice Department is looking at whether Facebook and Twitter are intentionally stifling the free exchange of ideas. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey told a House committee his company is not censoring conservatives. Jeff Sessions doubled down and says he'll gather state attorneys general to discuss whether social media companies stifle conservatives. That's right. Jeff Sessions has announced that he's gonna look high and low, mostly low, to find out <laughs> if social media companies are censoring conservatives. Yeah, he's probably gonna come back like, well, I couldn't find any bias. And be like, did you check the top self? No. <laughs> and now, now, the reason the Justice Department and both houses are all over this issue is because clearly they're taking cues from the top. You look at Google, Facebook, Twitter, and other social media giants. And I've made it clear that we as a country cannot tolerate political censorship, blacklisting, and rigged search results. We will not let large corporations silence conservative voices. That's right, folks. I, Donald J. Trump, am sick of being silenced. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a tweet of mine? When was the last time you saw something about me on the internet, folks? It's been almost half an hour. Why is that? <laughs> is it because I've been up here for 30 minutes? Come on, get the f out of here, man. <laughs> How is the guy who became president because of Twitter claiming that Twitter is censoring him and out to get him? Yeah, like, they're out to get him elected. It's like Superman bitching about Earth, like, man, this planet is holding me back. It's like, no, this planet is what made you. If you don't like it, Superman, why don't you just go home and be Kal-El the accountant? Oh, that's right, you can't go home because your home blew up. Sorry, I get angry when Superman shits on Earth. <laughs> but, but maybe, maybe the president feels like conservatives are being censored because his only source of information keeps telling him so. The tech giants are obviously politically biased against conservatives. No one really disputes that. You cannot have them 
dominating the information space only on behalf of left-wingers. Sometimes when you uh, search my name, uh, certain articles will pop up that are more uh, disparaging and more negative and, you know, three or four years ago instead of anything current. Okay, now, to be fair, I understand what the stale Prince of Ballet is saying. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes Google prioritizes older negative stories, but that's not anti-conservative bias. That's just the internet. Right? The negative stories get much more attention than the positive ones. Like, when I Google myself, the news is never about some cool joke that I told. No, it's always something negative. And I tell cool jokes all the time, all right? <laughs> you never hear about the good stuff. For example, for example, right? Today, I saved this baby <laughs> on the way to work. But are you gonna see that on the first page of my Google search results? No, but if I do this, if I do this, <laughs> if I do this, Number one news story on Google News. And I'm not even a comedian anymore. All of a sudden, I'm just a South African baby slam. That's who I am. <laughs> the internet is cruel to everyone. Everyone. But, but according to many people on Fox News, the only explanation for this is bias. I tweeted out um, a clip from CNN of James Clapper basically admitting that President Obama was the one who directed all of the intelligence agencies um, at, at, the, at the end of 2016 to uh, launch an investigation uh, into President Trump. So I tweeted out, it got no life. It got no life. And I know that's something that my followers and viewers care about big time. It got no life. So I'm just wondering, was I shadow banned? No. <laughs> no, Maria Bartiromo, your post was just boring. <laughs> and I'm not even saying that to be mean. We've all been there. Every one of us has posted something online that we were sure was gonna break the internet, <laughs> right? All of us had that one tweet where we were like, oh man, this tweet's gonna blow up. This tweet's gonna blow up. And you're like, should I say, no, not yet, not yet. Oh man, this tweet's gonna, oh wait, let me, hold on, hold on. Hey, cancel all my meetings. I'm about to go viral. <laughs> and then you're like, and then you hit send. And then you're looking and you're like, come on, anytime now, anytime, all right. No likes, refresh, hold on, no likes. Okay, hold on, hold on. Is the Wi-Fi working? No, Wi-Fi? <laughs> Okay, hold, I'll just like it myself and get it started. There you go. All right, one like. It happens to all of us. And look, I'm not saying there should be no regulation of tech companies. Don't get me wrong. I just, I'm just surprised to see conservatives all of a sudden in favor of regulating private businesses, right? Because when it's consumers or gay people or polar bears saying, hey, can you regulate some industries? Conservatives are like, it's not the government's job to regulate private business. But then as soon as they feel like they're not getting enough retweets, suddenly it's like, we're launching an investigation. We've got to nationalize tech companies. Long live socialism! <laughs> Bernie, 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 Bernie! The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.